Do you want to start a podcast? I know I did, and you're listening to it thanks to the help of Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's totally free and has everything you need in a podcast in one place. You can record, edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and distribute it to listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Everything you need, all in one place, completely free. What's stopping you? Go get Anchor. How did one of the biggest wars in the world give us a moment in time where men put down their weapons and enjoyed the fellowship of man rather than war? All it took was a little bit of Christmas spirit for everyone to put down their weapons and enjoy time together. That is what happened on Christmas 1914. The first Christmas of World War One. Welcome to the Sports Moments Podcast, where every sports moment deserves its replay. I'm your host, Ethan Reese, your sports historian and giant goofball, which best describes this show, sports history and goofballness thrown in there. This is not a Dateline-only facts podcast. I will joke around, tell the most factually accurate story I can, but have a good time doing it. So now let's sit back and jump into the sports time machine. Let's get into the Christmas truce of World War One in 1914, the football game, as everyone refers it to. And we'll jump into how it all happened, what led to it. Obviously, we'll overview World War One, how it started, how we ended up to this point. As a means to understand how we got to, you know, the football match and the truce that happened on Christmas, less to know about history. So I'm not going to go in too de- much detail. You know, we are a sports-focused <laughs> podcast, but we are history-focused as well. And World War One was a big historical moment, and it gave us this moment in history where we put down our weapons and enjoyed time together. And that's really what it was. And um, we'll jump into how this match kind of, what was it? What happened with it? Is it Was it as big as everyone thought it was? And so we'll, we'll get into all that. But first, let's just jump into how World War One all happened. So what happened was this was known as the Great War. You know, this was the first big war that featured, you know, more than just, you know, one or two countries like getting up against another it was really multiple multiple countries going against multiple multiple countries and this all started with the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand of Australia oh my goodness not Australia Austria it's Archduke Francis Ferdinand of Austria his murder catapulted war across Europe. Now, at this time, 
everyone was on edge. It didn't. It wasn't going to take very much. This is, this is not, you know, a guy that was like beloved as a, you know, a, a figurehead of a state. It wasn't that. It was just kind of everyone was on edge a little bit. You know, everyone's kind of growing their military power. And, you know, lines in Europe were changing, borderlines, they were changing at the time too. And it kind of caused some issues as well. And so this war lasted, you know, four, four years almost, from 1914 to 1918. And the conflict between Germany, Austria, slash Hungary, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire, those were the main central powers, fought against... Great Britain, France, Russia, Italy, Romania, Japan, and later on, the United States. So thanks to new military technologies, this was the war that was known as the Trench Warfare. And this was something that was done as just a you know, means to an end. And we'll jump into a little bit more why they did this Trench Warfare compared to traditional warfares because we were evolving from the you know 1776 kind of warfare we think of with Britain and more modern warfare as we develop more technologies and more ways to lose less casualties and use our technology to help win a war but this was a big war um, eventually the Allied powers won the victory and more than 16 million people, soldiers and civilians, civilians, they fought this on European land, you know, where there was a lot of people. You know, we don't have these numbers today as you know, we're more targeted, but civilians is part of war. And this was a big one. And understand, too, our population of the world was much less back then, so we didn't have... Like, as many people to lose, it was a huge percentage of people to lose. So let's jump into who was the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and what caused this tension. So, first off, Franz Ferdinand, best known for his song um, on Rock Band. It was very popular back in the day, her guitar hero. The song that goes, Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
So everything was going, you know, tensions were building, and then the spark that ignited the war struck in Cervajo, Bonzia. Sorry for my pronunciation. I am not Austrian. I do not know all these words. So he was shot along with his wife, Sophia. So it wasn't just him. It was his wife, too. The heiress, as you would say, by the Serbian nationalist Garvalho Principi on June 28, 1914. Now, Principi and other nationalists were struggling to end the Hungarian, Austrian Hungarian rule over Bosnia and Herzegovina. <laughs> <laughs> wow, please forgive me for all my words. I'll, I'll stop apologizing now. I'm going to mess up some of these these places. Obviously, some of these places aren't around anymore, so you don't hear them as much. So they wanted in this monarchy rule. They wanted it to be more democracy. So the assassination of Ferdinand set off a rapid escalation chain of events. Austria, Hungary, like many of the countries around the world, blamed the Serbian government for the attack and hoped to use this incident to justify settling the question of Serbian nationalism for once and all. So, you know, that's where the conspiracy, they think it was the, the actual Serbian government instead of just like this terrorist organization, they thought like, they paid for this and all that. That's kind of where they, they kind of took this... One thing that happened and forced it to be more than it was. Maybe. We don't know. But because uh, mighty Russia supported Serbia, Austria-Hungary waited to declare war until its leaders received assurance from the German leader, Wilhelm II, that German would support their cause. Austria-Hungary leaders feared that Russia intervention would involve Russia ally France and possibly Great Britain as well. So they wanted to be sure they had people backing them before they declared war. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you're this kind of smaller country of Austria, Russia, becoming a huge power, Great Britain already power, France power, they're like... You don't want to go against them unless you have someone else backing you, too. So on July 5th, um, Wilhelm secretly pledged his support, giving Austria-Hungary a so-called carte blanche, or a blank check, and assured the German backing in the cause of war. The dual monarchy of Austria-Hungary then sent an ultimatum to Serbia. As such, harsh terms as it makes almost impossible to accept. They basically were like, hey, you take this or or we're going to battle you. They basically wanted the battle. They wanted the war. At this point, everyone wanted to fight. Ready? Fight! You know, they wanted to fight. And they, they didn't really care. They wanted to go through it diplomatically. Air quotes. They want to go through diplomatically, but they didn't really care. They just wanted to get this fight and show that they were going to win this. 
So that's kind of where it all began. And so really, they they convinced convinced that Austria-Hungary was ready for war. Then Serbian governments ordered that Serbian army to mobilize and appeal to Russia for assistance. On July 28th, Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia. Intentious peace between Europe great powers quickly collapsed. And within a week, Russia, Belgium, France, Great Britain, and Serbia had lined up against Austria and Germany. And World War One had begun. First of all, so that's where it all began. It's kind of a brief overview. There's way more intelligent people and people that love the just history of war that can dive into it. Just a basic overview so we can jump in the truths of the football game and everything that happened. But just remember, like this was a big war. This was a first moment. And it's just hard for me to believe you can just go against, you know, you have five countries, big countries, Going against Austria and Germany, like that's that's crazy to begin with, <laughs> and they they didn't care. They just really wanted to fight. So let's get into the truce of Christmas. Now, remember, this is 1914. This is when the war began. The war began in July. You know, the end of July, beginning of August, and Christmas time was you know fast approaching, and so it was only a few months after. And so at the time, you had a lot of people thinking, this isn't going to last very long. You have five powers going against these two. Like normally, five on two, the five is going to win pretty easily, pretty quickly. And people thought the war was going to end quickly, you know, not last four years. They thought, well, this will end really quickly and we'll get, we'll get this figured out. We won't have to fight for very long. That did not happen. You know, it lasted a lot longer. So it lasted to Christmas. People thought it would be over by Christmas. But it didn't. It lasted. And it's because of the trench warfare. Um, if you don't know what trench warfare was, they dug these ditches, basically, to, you know, battle. And what what really started was, was they were doing the normal battle, like, you know, marching in lines, facing off against each other. You know, the powers trying to take on the little Austrian... Germany brethren trying to take them down you know they tried to overpower them and then what happened you know people were like ducked down try to hide you know as you're getting shot at you dig a hole with what you have and you you hide there and what basically all these guys connected their holes and they just dug out and dug out and dug out and they realized you know we're more protected if we're here they were like 30 yards away sometimes at the closest closest sometimes it was a little farther you know, 100 yards or so, but like it was not very far from each other, of battling each other, and you had these new equipments, machine guns, tanks were later introduced, you had um, air was introduced into this time, and there's so many more technologies going into it, you want to pr protect yourself more than before when you just had a guy with a gun, who could shoot one gun at a time, one bullet, like bang, okay, now I can hide a little bit, bang, you know, this was, <laughs> You know, they had machine guns that were not accurate, but, you know, it's a little more scary at the time. And 
you gotta remember too that this time a lot of these soldiers were professional soldiers and what I mean by that is they got into being a soldier either you know through requirements of their government or to you know make money they were that was their job they were a soldier they went into it to be a soldier this is something we kind of forget about because a lot of times we think of these world war wars and you're like I'm going in this to battle you know the you always think of world war 2 the nazis I'm going to go battle the nazis but you know that mentality was there in World War One, where you're going to go battle this other country, but they weren't on the front lines yet. You know, you had to go through basic training and get ready to go, or their version of basic training, or however long it was. So a lot of the fighting in 1914 was, you know, professional soldiers who didn't necessarily have beef with these people. Eventually that beef grows as you become more country versed you know a lot of it just think about if you were, if your boss comes to you says hey Peter how you doing gonna need you to come in on Saturday no and you don't want to do it but you do it because it's your job and think of it like that think, hey Peter I'm gonna have to need you to go kill some Germans over there yeah, you know that that's very difficult to do. And you you can be opposed to it. You're opposed to it, but it's your job, so you do it. You know, and so but you just do it to like one protect yourself. You don't want to die, as one reason obviously, but you also do it because it's your job and you want to keep your job and be. Um, at least a decent soldier. So, like, so remember that these were just professional soldiers. They didn't have the hatred right away for these people. They were just doing their job, going where they were needed, basically. So that's kind of how they kind of like to think of it as a different way of like that's why they were able to create this truce and truces happened you know a lot during the battles you know because of they had these trenches you know there were bodies in between the trenches and they would call a truce every now and then you know maybe once a week or so and say truce 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 let us go pick up our dead bodies that's mainly what it was this were truces were mainly to focus on clearing the battlefield you know being respectful to the lives that were lost and again these were professional soldiers this was more common because this is just how the rules of battle kind of were at the time so it's very very much a work-like environment I know there was killing and honestly if you killed someone's best friends you know you have work friends they killed your friend that's gonna be a little bit harder to have this truce but from what it seems like, it didn't really, the truces were always honored, or mostly always honored, and to call a truce was actually pretty scary, because you had to, like, come up from the hole and talk across the, the way, or even walk across the way, waving a white flag or something like that, and hope that no one shot you on accident.
Like, I would be petrified. Like, I'm not going. No, no, no. They're, they're shooting at people the moment they step up. Yeah, you'll, you'll have a flag. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to trust a guy that, like, can't see. I don't know if he can see. I don't know what he can do. I don't even know what, he, what how he's talking or what he's feeling like. You know, he may be just mad at the world and can just shoot at any time. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's how it was. Oh, I, I would have hated it. I would have hated it. It was just... I would hate war. I, I love our veterans. I love all veterans for what they do and what they provide for our country. But I would be terrible at it. I would be a scaredy cat. I'm a scaredy cat. Even when I play Call of Duty, I'm that guy hiding like, oh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'm just like hiding in the corner, you know, with a maybe sniper rifle or something. Like, don't don't come here. I'm going to just stay, stay away. Stay away. Like, even in a video game. Come on. I'm 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 a pansy. I am a pansy. I'm not, and I don't claim to be anything, to the contrary. I am a pansy. So, but I I love veterans. My hats off to you. My both my grandfathers were veterans and fought in wars. And, um, you know I I love those guys and I love anyone that, you know, puts their life on the line for us, because you were, and especially in this. Anytime you just. Popped up out of the hole, you had a chance of, you know, passing. Luckily, even though with the new technologies of shooting guns faster, like, you know, you shot the gun faster, but you didn't aim better, always. So there was that aspect as well. But also in that aspect, you had no idea when there was going to be fire coming through or anything like that. So truces were common. They happened a lot. And you get more towards... Um, these fights and get more towards Christmas and they've been in the trenches they've been in the trenches for months you know and you know what the trenches were like terrible these were makeshift trenches they weren't like planned you know as I said like one guy would dig a hole and he, the next guy near him dug a hole and they just connected their holes like if you look at the the ways of the trenches they kind of ha can have an outline, and they are zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It <laughs> it looks like someone with like you know, kind of the shakes or something. Just went, like it, it is you no no continuity. Eventually they got a little bit better, but like it's a very zigzaggy, no kind of rhyme to it. So there there'd be cave-ins. There would be all these different things that would happen. Mud up to your knees. So uncomfortable. And they would spend most of their time just fortifying these trenches so that you could walk through them and be dry. That was, I mean, you are six, eight, ten feet below ground level. That's not usually sustainable on a normal thing. Normally when you're digging a hole like that, you're going to fill it with water to make a pond. You're not going to, you know, live there. <laughs> so it was, trenches were, trench life was terrible. Everyone, everyone of the soldiers that talks about trench life, it was an awful, awful mess. You know, you, you barely got clean. 
you were always wet, you were all, and just, like, just imagine always being wet, like, ugh, it makes my body, like, tingle, like, just being always wet, like, you just want to be dry, you just want to get out, like, you want to go into no man's land that, between the trenches, you want to go in there, but you'll die, <laughs> and so it's just like, how, how are you going to do that? And so that just remember that life was that life was rough. And so what happened was on on Christmas Christmas Eve actually is when the Christmas festivities happened. Remember both of these countries or many of these countries had been indoctrinated with Christianity, um, faith, with a lot of Catholicism and so it wasn't Many, 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 many of these soldiers were Catholic. So just remember that as we jump into why, you know, why did we, why were so many of these people, you know, celebrating Christmas? And it was, you know, Catholicism and Christianity had just grown and grown and grown in Europe. Huge, huge, huge. And it grown across the world, actually. At this time, it was huge, 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 huge. And there wasn't a whole lot of other... Um, regions that that kind of believe India wasn't involved at the time or China or anything like that so you know Hindu or Islam wasn't as represented in this war so just remember that too so it was mainly Christmas at this time so on Christmas Eve in 1914 the German troops were starting to hear something that they hadn't heard before so they listen very intently, and they hear, And so to not be outdone, the German troops came back with their own version Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round your virgin child, hold the infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. And what this started was an epic back and forth battle between the two sides in a singing competition like no one had seen before. And eventually, over time, they came back with a song that no one really knew but they all knew all the words. And out of nowhere, the British came to the Germans with this song of hope 
And it went a little bit like, Here's a holiday message going out to the world. Please listen up, our white flags are unfurled. What we gotta do to get through to you to play nice with each other. Don't make me separate you, no hesitate sisters and brothers. It seems like everybody needs a little time out. Bullies running loose, we're calling a truce to the world of doubt. Grown-ups are lying while babies are crying. We're all picking ties, causing divide, losing our pride. Here's all we're asking you. Please don't bomb us this holiday. It's just not nice to bomb people. Don't fight. It's impolite. It ain't right. Not tonight. Not on the holiday. Okay, they did not sing that song. <laughs> if you know who the Dan Band is, that is one of their holiday songs. Um, you probably remember them from old school. They're that uh, band that sings Total Eclipse of the Heart at the wedding reception. But yeah, that's just that song just seems so fitting, you know, calling for a truce on holiday. So I had to throw that in there. But yeah, that is actually what happened. They did go back and forth, you know, with their carols going back and forth. And that kind of what started the truce because they could also see like, you know, they were starting to put out decorations. There was Christmas trees, candles. They weren't sure what they were seeing until they started to hear this music They're like, oh, it's Christmas and let's 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 do something about this. And so that's what it started was with the carols and singing going back and forth with each other. So after the Christmas Eve at night, as the light began to come up and dawn shone over the battlefield, the German soldiers started to emerge out of their trenches and approach the Allies as waving for a truce in no man's land. And they were saying Merry Christmas. The Germans at the time were more bilingual than the British. So they were you know, speaking English more than the British were speaking German. So they were offering this Merry Christmas to them in their native tongue. At first, the Allies soldiers thought this was a trick. I mean, this obviously seems like, are you just trying to lure me out? Are you, gotta, are you a creepy guy in a van with candy? I love candy, but... You have a van and a mustache. Okay, Candy. <laughs> but yeah, they thought it might have been a trick. And so they, but the Germans were unarmed and they were like, well, I mean, they're not, the worst they could have is concealed, you know, maybe knives or something, but like it seemed genuine and they were able to come out into no man's land and converse with these people. And remember, these were professional soldiers. The, amount of hostility towards the other country in a war that we generally think of is not happened yet. These guys are doing their job. At this point in time, since they were doing trench warfare, you weren't so much going face-to-face -face with somebody. It was one of the first times when you're not face-to-face -face with your enemy. So being able to converse and have that time with your technical enemy wasn't as unusual as we might think. So they they came out, 
They started to share things, exchange presents. Yes, like troops were getting, you know, lighters and cigarettes and things from home. And they would actually exchange them with gifts with people from the other side. The other, that's crazy. Like, we're in a battle. I might kill you tomorrow, but here's a gift. Like, that is just hard to believe and hard to think about in our heads as we think about war. But also remember, these were, you know, professionals. They were, like, I, I look at it as, you know, professional businessmen. You know, they might hate each other. They might battle each other in competition for business. But a lot of times they come together and help in certain ways, too. Um, for the good of men or for the good of, you know, country or whatever it is, they work together sometimes too. It's not, business is not always competition. And war, obviously in this case, wasn't always war. So they also had some trees, some Christmas trees that they lined their trenches with, with candles and jars. The story of the soccer match comes in and really... I hate to break it to you. There's not a whole lot of evidence of these soccer matches. Now, th- this is a, an isolated incident. Like this was across the large trench warfare, which spanned a lot of places. And like this was mainly between the German and the British areas. Um, French and German were actually more at odds way before the war, so there was more animosity. So they didn't usually have this in most of those areas. It was mainly between the British. And the German because they didn't have that continuous combative war, um, but they don't have a whole lot of evidence that this soccer match really happened. There's there's some things that called it a kickabout, which is you know when you just go with your friends and kick the ball around, or like if you're playing basketball, if you don't play soccer very much, you know just shoot hoops with your friends. You're not really playing a game so much. You're just kind of enjoying the company of each other. That's really what it was for the most part, we think. I I highly doubt, though, that they didn't play a game. Like It would have been simple enough to you know, set up makeshift goals and just kind of compete with each other. It wasn't a full-out game. And I think that's what people always think about. It was like, okay, we're going to take you guys on today, Like th- that it was mainly for this. Um, they always bring up the soccer match, the, the football match, in as in Europe, as they say. And it's not something that, like, really – they don't say that there wasn't soccer. Okay, They don't say that there wasn't, all the historians. They just say it wasn't a big game or it wasn't a big moment for them. And that is something I think, like, we need to remember. Sometimes history – and I, that's why I wanted to dive into this too because sometimes history – isn't what it seems. You get this misconceived notions that it's going to be something crazy in history. Like this is so crazy. They played soccer and everything like that all while having war. And it's like, kind of. (laughs) So, and sometimes history is disappointing. And actually a lot of times it can be disappointing when you even to dive into the deep packs of it, it can be very kind of disappointing that, man, I thought it was going to be so much cooler. And I hate to break it to you. It may not have been that cool. Um, really, the, these guys were just happy to get out of the trenches. And it like that was the main thing. Like They had a time, a day, where they could just get out of their mud pit and just 
walk around and not have be so wet, <laughs> not have to change their socks every hour or try to figure out a way to dry themselves at every moment. It would have been cold. You know, there's no doubt it would have been cold. These aren't warm climate places, but it was really just the option, the opportunity and showing that war wasn't everything to these guys. This was a job. They were like getting the benefits. It's like entering the army now or something at our end just to get the benefits for it. You're not really trying to, you don't have a side. You don't like really care, but you know, the benefits to being a veteran can really help you in life. And they really can. I've seen it. You know, I have multiple friends that, you know, whether they were in for just two years or, you know, they've been in for decades, there are benefits to it. And that's what these guys were doing. They were getting the benefits to it. I'm unsure exactly whether these were requirements. You know, a lot, some countries require um, every man to be in the military for a certain amount of time. At you know, and I don't know whether these could have been some of those. So if you were a guy that didn't care about war, you know, you were just in the military because you were required to be in the military. You know, you're not going to be as ferociously wanting to attack the other, you know, the other people. You're just trying to survive, and I think that's important to remember that it was more about trying to survive at this time, and just than rather to, you know, win the war. These guys thought this war wasn't going to be won by the battle. More about you know the government's entities giving up or seceding to each other because the you know, or that they were just going to overpower them. You know, the British and French thought they would just overpower the overpower the German and Belgium. I don't deny that. That's I would have thought they would. It's like it is five on two. Um, in alpha playing basketball, we are going to get destroyed five on two. No doubt, we're going to get destroyed. And you know, but maybe. There's a possibility miracles do happen. Now, it didn't happen in this case. You know, the Allies did beat the Axis, but it was definitely a possibility that they would, you know, have this chance at winning. And, you know, obviously this was the first year. This never happened again. You know, it wasn't something that, we ever look back on like, oh, you know, the next year they did this, the next, you know, we just do this every year. It's a Christmas truce. Now, in general, there usually is a Christmas truce um, in war. It's kind of unspoken a war thing, but there isn't this exchange intermingling with your enemy ever again, ever. You know, a lot of the um, soldiers that came in after couldn't believe that that was done. You know, high-ranking officials couldn't believe it. And really, they weren't there. The timing of everything, they weren't. They were just trying to finish out their enlistment. They weren't trying to win the war. So really, it wasn't that big for them to imagine that this wouldn't be a crazy thing to them. But to the war-hardened, you know, people, it was just crazy that these people... It's like, why are these hippies out here doing this? That's what it imagines to me. These hippies out here fraternizing with the enemy. No, they were just people. 
I think we need to remember that people are people. And sometimes when you're both dealt a crappy hand, you can take solace in that together. And I think that's what this more was. Like We are stuck in mud and I just want to get out and enjoy this time with my fellow man. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever says that. I always hear that. It's like, with my fellow men. It's like, what does that mean, my fellow man? Who are you? Like, we're all different, you know? <laughs> we might all like sports, but we all know someone that likes our team that we don't want to talk to. <laughs> I have so many people that it's like, dude, you are weird, or you are way too into this. Why are you stalking the quarterback? That is weird. Why do you have his underwear? Why are you wearing his underwear? <laughs> there are some weird things, weird memorabilia people have. And, like, if you heard they have it, it's like, um, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't care that much. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to go to prison for stalking my favorite player, you know. <laughs> I, but there, but you have also people that you absolutely love to be around in your fandom as well. That camaraderie comes out, and you sometimes you let in those weirdos. It happens. But like my fellow men, it's just a weird saying because we're not all connected. We're all different, but we do have simple things that do connect us. You know, we all just want to enjoy life. And I think that's the biggest thing that's here. We all wanted to enjoy life. So I am sorry there was not much more in sports involved in this. I thought there would be diving into this topic and learning more about it. I was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. What about this match? Who won? How did they get it all set up? Everything like that. <laughs> As I dove into it, I couldn't find anything. It's like, what? That's crazy. And it, it's amazing how these myths in sports – like, yes, they did play soccer. They kicked the ball around. They may have played a small three-on-three match, but it wasn't this big, like, event that they make it seem to be. You know, I know it's not as big as in America, um, you know, because we weren't involved in the war yet, so we weren't involved in this. You know, it's mainly Britain that this is a huge thing. to them. It's like a, um, like a, a story that gets told to kids and, like, you know, love your man and everything that gets told to them at night. But it's not something that we hear about a lot. But over there, it's huge. And to hear that, like, just, you know, it's not really what happened. It just can shatter your heart. And sometimes that's going to happen on this show where we dive into a topic and it's going to be not what we seem. And a lot of times it will be not what we seem. Because what we remember and what actually happened don't always match up. And so I think... It, is important to look back at that and learn from that because history can be looked at through rose-colored glasses or can be looked at through facts. Thank you for listening to the Sports Moments Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's tale. If you did, please give us a review or five stars or wherever you listen to. It helps us grow our community and help tell more engaging stories you can follow us at sports moments pod on instagram and twitter we post pictures about stories what happened today in history different things like that just try to be a good sports overall social media company
we still are a new podcast. We're still growing, still working on a few kinks, still working on our website. So if you would like to contact us with a great topic or your view on any episode we've done, you can email us at sportsmomentspodcasts at gmail.com. And as we grow, we're looking for great youth sports charities to donate to because I think it's important to give the youth a chance to learn about sports and bring that love so they can become sports historians as well. So if you have a, a great charity that you are involved in or you think we should help out, please contact us as well. Again, thank you for listening and come back next week for another episode of the Sports Moments Podcast, where every sports moment deserves its freedom.